Welcome in to another one of our Edge Lockdown podcast episodes as we continue to talk about holiness with a W and really what the series is all about, if you've been listening along, you'll know, is about cultivating a sense of what it is to be human, what it is to be human in the image of God, what it is to find our spirituality intersecting with with our relationship to God, but also with self, with others and with creation, this sense of holiness with a W as an idea of wholeness, as not perfection or some kind of shiny idealism, but uh, discovering and working out our humanness and the real uh, grittiness and uh, reality of our lives. And uh, over the last episode and into this one, we're dealing with some of those some of those more gritty elements, I suppose you could say. Uh, in the last time we uh, last episode, we talked about grief and about loss and about how to navigate that as it comes along our way. And today we're talking about navigating crisis. And to help us with that conversation, we have Tanya White, one of our uh, wonderful Edge Fano. Welcome in, Tanya. Kia ora, Michael. Kia ora, Fano. Uh, and so, so Tanya's going to help us to to work our way through some some reflections on on crisis. Um, and before we do that, perhaps Tanya, if you could let us know a little bit about the kind of work that you do, uh, and then we'll dive into some some fun questions. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, so I'm an occupational therapist, and I specialise in mental health. So I, for the last 15 years, I've worked mostly in district health board settings um, in mental health um, and forensics. Um, but for the last um, five years, well, 10 years, mostly in child and adolescent mental health. Um, most of that time has been um, in acute work or crisis work, um, but also a chunk of it has been delivering therapy and also supporting people and their recovery back into the community. Mm. A pretty amazing work. Um, and I think, you know, maybe I mentioned in the intro, but, you know, one of the, I guess the unavoidable parts of being human is that, uh, is that in our lives we, we, you know, for all sorts of reasons, find ourselves bumping into the crisis and sometimes that's related to you know, relationships, or it's related to our health. Um, it's related to maybe um, some kind of interruption to our life that's unexpected. Um, it's also, and you know, as you've been talking about, related to mental well-being and mental health, and the way that that uh, intersects with all of those other layers and threads of our lives as well. Um, and and all of that can kind of throw our world into a tailspin. And I and I feel like you know, you probably spend a lot of your time working with people who are who are trying to navigate that kind of tailspin um, mm. and, and the complications that arise in that space for us. Um, you know, because often I think one of the things about crisis seems to be that it it's complicated not just because of the thing that we're dealing with, but because of the way that that's impacting us and our ability to deal with the thing that we're dealing with, you know. Um, sure. Yeah, so as we think about that, um, what what is your experience of some of the, the different ways we can find ourselves responding when confronted with some kind of crisis in our lives? Yeah, well, often that's dependent on how it's been modelled to us. So we have different levels of resilience. So some of us, as a child, we've had, we had opportunities to develop resilience when stuff happened to us. Um, we were over able to learn ways to cope. When something happens to us, we are able to um, be a bit more pragmatic and, and get over it. But for some of us, um, we maybe didn't get that opportunity to develop resilience or we had a few bumps on the way and maybe we, our sense of being in the world is a bit more fragile. So um, the crisis can throw us off course. We, um, 
have often has a have a physiological reaction when we um with stress or with trauma and we sort of that fight flight response we mm -hmm. often hear about um, and there's also freeze and that's a physiological response that happens in our body um that can impact us and also so for some people that is they just actually want to they have this experience and they just want to just run away just shut down get out of there just mm. don't want to avoid whatever it is that's causing them that um, pain and discomfort um, or that threat but people they just have this urge to to fight to act out they might get sort of agitated and restless um sort of may even externalize what's going on and sort of be sort of blaming others um and for others of us we sort of almost do this freeze this shut down and we just like i just and it can be a psychological way of coping it's just like there's just this is just too much the threat is too big i can't deal with this so i'm just going to shut down um and we can do that in subtle ways even every day almost like like numbing so we've had a really hard day at work really overwhelmed so we just come home we just blob in front of tv or we just spend hours scrolling through our social media we might drink we just might eat and eat to excess or just go to sleep and um so that that can be a form of sort of numbing and of almost just that shut down just as a, a, a way to cope with what's going on um and yeah. yeah sometimes we also get sort of stuck in our thinking so we we have these thoughts that come and um i think especially us as christians we often have a lot of um perceived ideals of how we should live our lives or mm. how we should respond to things um and if we feel like uh we're not meeting those or something happens we should be doing this or i must do this and if i don't do that there's something bad and so all of a sudden when something happens we have this um internal dialogue that happens where we're mm. feeling a certain way but then we might feel a guilt or shame or judge ourselves around um what we're feeling and how we're responding mm. because we have these um expectations that we've put on ourselves which may or may not be true or accurate yeah, wow. There's, um, you know, I'd love to say I don't uh, resemble any of those remarks um, <laughs> in my life. I'm definitely the freeze guy, though. That's me for sure. Uh, I remember when oh, I was younger. Me too. Um, when I was younger, and I'd hear people talk about fight flight, and I was like, I don't really resonate with either of those. But once people started talking about freeze, I was like, Oh, there I am. Um, great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then you know, and and and. That last thing you're touching on there, I think, is really important for us, you know, as we're talking about this as a church community. Because those kind of internal um, scripts that we run, if you like, that tell us yeah. um, this is how you should be responding because, I don't know, maybe maybe people have, have internalized a message that you've got the answer because you're a Christian, you know, to, to life. And so, therefore, you should be able to handle this or you should be a good witness or you should be, you know, all of these different uh. kind of internal messages people have about how they should be handling it. And like, and like you say, um, those messages actually seem to exacerbate the crisis in, in some respects. They add layers of shame and, and, and stress um, to an already uh, difficult situation. It actually reminds me, sorry, I'm going to go on as well, but um, when I first did my science degree, um, my honours research was on emotional trauma and its impact on the immune response, immune system, and um, which sounds, doesn't that sound like a, 
like a light topic. Uh, but I remember one of the one of the projects was to hit um, people had to kind of uh, write about you know trauma, emotional trauma. Thinking back, I can't believe they let me do they they sh- I don't feel like they should have let me at the <laughs> age I was do this kind of project. But anyway, um, they had to write about some of their trauma responses and so on, and and then we were testing you know immune system responses and variables and so on. Aside from all of that, one of the things that really stood out to me, even as a young person, was someone writing about their trauma because I had to go through and sort of analyse all of the data. It was all anonymous, but someone was obviously a person uh, of faith and they wrote about a traumatic experience that they had had um, of some kind and then they wrote about all of the layers of guilt and shame they felt about that because as a Christian they should have been handling it much better than they were. Oh, wow. um, And how that had essentially in the end driven them away from faith entirely, I think, because they just, their faith was making mm. that crisis and trauma so much worse, if you like. Um, and that kind of, even as a young person, really kind of stood out to me and stuck in my mind. And perhaps it's only been in later years that I've come back to that and been able to reflect on it more. And it just reminds me of, you know, what you're talking about there and, and some of those messages that we hold and how important it is then to find some much healthier ways of, of um, of navigating some of this for us, both just as healthy humans and then then also as as Christians, right? Definitely, it's a definitely important conversation to have. Mm. Definitely. Um, I think one of the things that comes to mind uh, when I think about crisis is the is the feeling of control or that things have, have somehow gone beyond our control. Is that something you see a bit in your work? You know, uh, um, this the sense that. I can't control what's happening and there's something about crisis that, that's that's difficult in that sense? Yeah, we have a model in mental health called the stress vulnerability model and it's sort of accepting that all of us have, um, we experience different stresses in our lives um, and we all have different um, levels of vulnerability and so different for some of us, um, we have a high level of tolerance so we can actually tolerate a lot of stress but for other others of us it doesn't take much to sort of push us over the edge we sort of just one thing after another and it all gets a bit too much and um and even those everyday little things if you get enough of them piling on top of each other and as you say that sense of things out of your control it can just be the one thing that can sort of push us over the edge and mm. for some people being pushed to the edge is actually quite an extreme thing it's sort of you know what some people might call a, a breakdown or just emotionally they're just done they mm. can't do it anymore um which for some even means they they have thoughts of wanting to end their life mm. and it's just sometimes it's not that they actually want to die but they actually can't keep going on mm. it's all just a bit too much they feel their life is out of their control mm. Um, and they can't cope anymore. And I think that crisis is actually um, an opportunity for things to change. It's a it's a moment in time where it's just like something's happened, things have to change. They can't keep going on. So it can be seen as an opportunity, and it can be reframed as a this has all come to its head now. It's mm. um, major things happened. And okay, we need to do something about it. So mm. it actually can be a chance for intervention and it can be a chance to change things. So even though um, that sense of loss of control or that sense of crisis can be really painful 
and uncomfortable is actually a moment in time where if supports come in place, um, things can be made different and people can come back from that. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Um, yeah, I feel like perhaps in our kind of contemporary world where we're, we're pretty, some of us anyway, uh, are good at sort of suppressing the the, the any of the warning signs along the way or the or the the things that perhaps we we could be addressing or or or, or reassessing or restructuring in our lives um but we're kind of squashing that just to just to drive over the top of that and, and keep pushing uh, and so those moments of crisis perhaps can offer us an opportunity to see all of the ways that we could bring about some change in our lives Totally. And I think it's really important that we don't gloss over those warning signs. And Mm. actually, that's one of the things we do with people in what we call a recovery plan. So after someone sort of, there has been a crisis or there's been a breakdown, it's then when somebody's sort of stable enough, looking back and going, okay, what were the stresses? What were your triggers? Um, What were the early warning signs? And to use those as as something to learn from the next Mm. time to build into your life so when you notice those early warning signs of you're not sleeping um or you or conversely you're sleeping too much and you're pulling away from people that actually okay that's a time to intervene rather than waiting for things to build up to Mm. crisis Mm. so it can be a chance to yeah to to do things differently and learn a learning Mm. moment Yes, um, it it makes me think about you know I deal a lot with in various parts of my life, uh, in the various areas that my life finds itself uh, of dealing with people who are having some kind of faith crisis, uh, and you know it's it's a little bit different maybe to some of the other crises we might um, normally talk about, but um, one of the things I see creates the biggest kind of faith crisis is when like the little questions or the little um, concerns or the little things haven't been able to be talked about along the way yeah. um, that they get buried, 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 buried. And then suddenly there's a massive faith crisis when some, you know, when all of that suddenly starts come tumbling all out at once. Um, so, so, um, so, okay, back to, back to the sense of maybe control, the sense of what does happen when we hit that kind of, kind of crisis moment, perhaps when things feel like they're spiraling a little bit. Um, what are some strategies that, that can help us in that space that we can employ or that, that we can have others help us with when things feel like they're starting to do that spiral and, and the crisis is starting mm. to escalate. Yeah. So it's different from everybody, but mm. reducing the expectations. So just actually cut yourself a break, sort of name, even just acknowledge, okay, um, I've hit crisis point. That's okay. We're going to deal with this. So just rather than, Oh no, Oh no panic. It's just like, okay, we're here now um so Mm. reducing expectation prioritizing you know is there stuff in your life that you can cut out just actually call in sick (laughs) um cancel some commitments you have Mm. um just minimize some of the stuff that's really stressing you out um i think restricting access if there's something's actually causing the crisis actually putting a block there and a stop um I think sometimes if even like with this whole COVID stuff, actually, if you're watching every news bulletin and mm. you're reading things, everything, just, you know, just you might need to block it and actually mm. just limit your access to whatever is, is stressing you out. Mm. Um, I think reaching out to help is critical. You can't do this stuff alone. Mm. And I think 
um, it's really dangerous to try and um, work through really challenging things on your own. And I think another set of eyes is really important. And there's that, you know, saying a burden shared is a burden halved. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really important. A key thing for me when I've gone through my stuff is finding my anchor. So what is tuning into the center of me? So what is it that holds me? Who am I? And actually um, just reconnecting with how have I coped before? Like what's what's worked for me in the past to get through a hard, hard situation and, mm. and utilize those go-tos. So um, for me, sort of doing self-care and sort of nurturing restorative activities are really good being in nature is really important to me mm. um and it really helpful um i get stuck in a lot of really negative thinking patterns so for me i have what's called truth statements or like a mantra and it's like and it might just be i can get through this you're going to be fine just get through this and just or it might be a scripture or a, a, a a line from a song that you hold on to mm. just so that when you catch your thoughts spiraling and just going round and round, it's just like almost go stop and you just choose not to engage with those thoughts and just replace it with this mantra or this truth statement. Um, and I know when we're doing therapy, we sort of talk about people being in certain states. And if you're stuck in a state, so say if you're in a really, um, your body is in a real panicked state, you're really nauseous, you're shaky. Actually, what you need to sometimes do, you can't always deal with your physiological state. So you will change what's going on in your thinking. So you might then do a thinking strategy. Mm. Conversely, you might be stuck um, in a really, um, emotional state really distressed really or really scared sometimes instead of just dealing with the emotions of it you actually have to get up and do something so actually um changing the state of what you're doing mm -hmm. breathing and mindfulness i know they're the sort of buzz phrases at the moment <laughs> and the buzz sort of things but actually they really work and especially physiologically, if you're just really stressed out and your body, you're not sleeping, you're nauseous, you're tense, actually just trying to regulate your breathing and get that down is um, a, such a useful, useful tool to have. Mm. And it also sends a signal to your brain that you're safe and that you're, you're okay. Um I'm an occupational therapist and we use sensory modulation quite a lot, right. and which is basically using our senses to modulate how we feel. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes physiologically, when we're in a crisis, our, our body is feeling all these um, emotions and we, we feel the emotions in our body. And I think if we think of a, a young child that's distressed and not coping, what do we do? We sort of swallow, swaddle it up, we wrap it up tight, and then we might rock it mm -hmm. gently side to side and then give it something to suck. And just those, what that does with our senses, it sends a signal to your brain that you're safe and that you're okay. So sometimes as an adult, when we are in our body is really um, what we call dysregulated or distressed, sometimes using our senses to modulate um, how we are can be really helpful so sometimes it might be wrapping yourself in a nice mink blanket um smells you know nice nice soothing smells um 
putting on and being in changing the temperature around us sometimes if we're really hot cold ice can be really good to sort of um regulate us right yeah um, is that why um is that why i think i hear i know some people in my life who have you know carried some anxiety and stuff like that i think it's weighted blankets are they doing like is that is that yeah. kind of related to that whole idea T- totally right. totally so so they um, are they are heavy, and because inside our muscles we have receptors that um, so that deep pressure touch, mm-hmm. and what they do is when they are activated, it provides that sense of containment, of safety, and that I'm okay. So it can actually be quite soothing. Now it's not for everybody. Some people find that actually quite. Um, unpleasant but mm. for a lot of people they are finding those weighted blankets are really um helpful especially if they um just to help regulate your body so then once your body's calm you're the thinking your part of your brain can kick in because right. when you're really in that fight flight state um you you your cortex isn't you can't think rationally and mm. logically mm. so sometimes that when you're in that sort of um, that agitated state or that real freak out state, you actually need to calm your body before you use any thinking strategies. Mm, yeah. Oh, that's so good. Um, and even as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, maybe, you know, some people will know some of these feelings that you're talking about. Some people will recognize some of those signs of crisis, either, mm. you know, the, the embodied sense of that or their emotional world some people may not have bumped into that um in their lives to that degree at this point but i was thinking about um actually last year when the leader of one of our uh, main political parties uh you know a, a capable together um successful man who took over a, a major political leadership of a major political party in new zealand and found himself you know suddenly experiencing this kind of of crisis in a way that just wasn't expected for him by by all accounts and he's talked quite honestly about that you know um and i i really appreciated his sharing of, of that story honestly because i think it it um it highlights the way in which sometimes this comes stuff can surprise us even those of us who or those people who might feel relatively competent or together that sometimes this stuff can just come at you and you didn't see it coming and to have some strategies yeah. for us, and that's you know, so that when that does, if that does happen, um, we're actually we're actually kind of a little bit prepared at least. Totally, and I think that's the thing. Sometimes it's not just being a strong person and you're mm. strong-willed, and I'm a good Christian and I've got strong faith. When we are in a state of crisis, our brain secretes these hormones and these chemicals (laughs) that physiologically affect us so it's not just mind over matter Mm. and i think that can surprise some people yeah yeah. um and it's to say it's not everybody but i think we just we actually do need to attend to our physical well-being that's Mm. really important Mm. sleep is critical and i think anybody who um has has a couple of nights where they don't sleep that's actually quite a, a real warning sign right. and um parents with young children would know this <laughs> you know that that in itself can push people over the edge but i would certainly say for anyone going through a crisis state actually if you're not sleeping well go see your gp so if right. it's been a couple of nights 
um, and you haven't had, you just, you haven't slept, go to your GP and, and get all to your pharmacy and get some support to sleep because actually we really, those, those key things of, um, of sleep and exercise and nutrition and hydration are really important for our body to, and our mind and our um, being to, to remain in, in a state of wellness. And mm. But sleep certainly is, is a key thing there mm. that we need to be aware of when we're going through crisis because often that's the first thing that's disrupted. We're not sleeping well. Yeah, which then exacerbates the, the crisis. <laughs> And you know, um, totally. yeah, challenges our ability to actually deal with with what's coming at us. Um, you mentioned uh, that you work, I think, in acute work uh, in in your sort of day to day job, but you've also mentioned the the pandemic and watching the the bulletin. Um, if you think about, uh, do you have any have any thoughts about the differences between some of that more acute crisis that 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 kind of you know very potent punchy um, sort of immediately disruptive, perhaps short-term crisis versus maybe the, the chronic kind of longer-term crisis, uh, something like a pandemic, for example, hypothetically, but but really, um, you know, uh, that, that and, and pandemic's obviously not the only kind of, a, of, of chronic kind of longer-term, maybe I don't know if crisis is the right word to use for, for those chronic situations. Illness. Yeah, chronic you know, illness, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, do you think about different? How do you think about the difference between those, and maybe some of the different strategies that can be helpful dealing with with that? Yeah. So, so in an acute crisis, especially if it's come unexpectedly, I think keep being in a safe place, getting people around you, you to support you, mm. um, really is really key. Um, looking after your physical well being. Um, but just actually uh, giving yourself some time and space, so giving it yourself just a bit of a break. Take, um, get some positive input. Just don't get, you don't want to be stuck. So you need some support. You need some help. You know, have some, um, I suppose be mindful of what you are putting into yourself. So you want stuff with positive in, input. So just might be even having a break from negativity with watching comedies or listening to uplifting music, listen to podcasts or stories of people who have got through this stuff before. Mm. Um, and it just, you know, sometimes when things are really dark and really hard, you just actually have to find, it's just going day by day. It's just, I just have to get through today and you've got to almost identify what's your reason to wake up in the morning um, and it might be sometimes you can't do it for you, but you might do it because you don't want to cause your mum pain or who's going to look after your cat if something happens to you. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you just got to hold on to that one thing that's a reason to keep on going mm. when you just, it's just too hard and you can't see your way out of it. If you don't have people immediately around you, and I, um, and I know we see it all the time, but these helplines, sometimes, you know, that's what they're there for. Mm. There, are, there are people who really can help you and want to be there for you in the moment. So when it's really hard and things are really dark, reach out for help. And so if you don't have someone immediately around you, call, call one of those helplines and there's great online forums as well. Mm. Um I think you then got to make a plan. I think for me, when I've gone through moments and something's happened, it's sort of like, I tend to like, well, might give myself 24 hours just to sit and be and what Brene Brown calls like rum, rumble with the pain, but rumble with the emotions and you just feel what you got to 
people be angry be tormented be grieving but then it's just like okay uh, you know then move find a way to move forward sometimes you need someone to help you with that Mm -hmm. the plan might be that I'm just going to get up and have a shower and go for a half an hour walk but you sort of got to start make some sort of plan you just rather than just lying in your bed hiding Mm -hmm. or whatever it's you're doing so just making a plan and initially that plan might be just hour by hour day by day and then it might be what I'm going to be doing this week and then maybe you can start looking further on from that I think when um when you're dealing with a chronic more long-term crisis it's adjusting your expectations Mm. and I think we all have a script that we have that we want to live our lives and these things we want to achieve and I think sometimes being able to be willing to re- focus that and rather than that's it what's the point I can't go on Mm. it's actually okay this has happened let's be a bit more pragmatic what how incorporate um, some changes and be willing to um, adapt and grieve grieve for the loss Mm. grieve for um, the lost opportunities or the lost dreams Um, we're not saying you have to pretend it's all okay but actually sometimes to get through it, you just got to keep walking through. Um, you can't just, you don't want to just sit there and just say that, you know, I'm not, I'm stuck. I'm not going anywhere. You just got to keep some sort of forward momentum. Yeah. Um, having me having a, a dream or having something focused to, to focus on. For me right now, it's, I have a brother in the UK and a nephew and I'm, and it's like, okay, can't be this year but maybe next year I'm gonna plan my holiday and I've already started planning where I'm gonna go and then I'm gonna pop over to Spain for a bit and that's sort of just so I don't get too stuck in what's happening now I've got a bit of a something happening on the horizon to help me focus on those days where it's just a hard grind Mm. to keep going Mm. yeah that's um that's so good and I think that that kind of um that change if you like an expectation can be you know it can sort of take a while for us to realize that's what we need to do sometimes um yeah. you know you're you're you're, you're uh, even even with this latest lockdown i think when it started in the first few weeks i was just kind of like um okay you know because we've got you know obviously uh, my wife's in the, in the hospital working uh got a little mate at home uh <laughs> trying to juggle a bit of work and entertain him, but not being able to go anywhere. And I'm like, oh, okay, I just need to get through these this couple of weeks, and I can do that. And it's gonna, you know, and you're kind of in survival mode slash sort of, mm. I just need to get, you know, just sort of get through the day. And then sort of a few weeks later, I'm like, oh, this is this is turning into like a a much. This is going to be a longer term thing. Um, yeah. And I actually need to adjust kind of my expectations of what this whole experience is going to be like. And I probably can't live in kind of slightly panicked survival mode for six months I could do that for a couple of weeks just yeah. kind of get through but but um but I probably need some other strategies to actually employ in my life to help develop mm-hmm. some some rhythms for this season as it is even if I would rather it wasn't like it is I do need to find some ways of 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 not just being like I want to be able to do what I was doing before um, but actually what can I do now in this time with things as they are um, yeah 
we um we talked a little bit near the beginning about how faith uh, can be um, a complication in crisis, but I'd love to maybe get your thoughts in terms of how how you see spirituality or faith can can be of help. You know, what what's the kind of positive role that that can play for us um, mm-hmm. during during crisis in our lives? Yeah, so for me, I've personally had some quite significant crises in my life, which led me to why I do the work I do now. Mm. Um, and um, had to walk through some, you know, I walked through hell, I felt like. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it was my faith that held me. And um, the thing, sometimes that's what kept me going. Um, so I think just that sense of being held um, by someone bigger than me and mm. and I know my relationship with God I had a sense of peace and I know scripture psalms was so key to me you know there's those ones um, you know even psalm 23 even though though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death you are with me so it's like you walk through the valley of the shadow of death you but you walk through it and mm. you come through the other side mm. and just you know, there's God is so close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And just there's all this beautiful language throughout scripture, which just is like I could identify with, which mm. was just so meaningful for me. Um, and I just also loved even, I suppose I really connected with Jesus and he was a man who experienced rejection and abandonment. He was bullied. He was misunderstood. He was objectified mm. and he, you know, he was crucified, but he modeled to us that actually that doesn't have to be the end people, you know, all this horrible stuff can happen to you, but you can overcome, you can overcome it. And he sort of, for me, that was a major, I just, his teachings and how he lived his life really was meaningful to me. Mm. And I think for each of us, um, we, we connect with God and we connect with our spirituality in different ways. And so I would encourage people, what is, how is your way you connect with, with God? Is it through worship? Is it through scripture? Is it through nature mm. being in creation? Um, is it prayer? Um, and I think it's really just important that in these moments that um, there is someone who understands. There is somebody who sees what you're going through and knows. And yes, at that time and in that moment, they may feel far away, but actually they are there. And so I personally feel um, our faith is really important the irony is sometimes when we are in a really dark space, we and we almost if we're in a shut down space, we aren't always open for it or we don't hear. Mm. And that's why sometimes having an external thing like like music or listening to something can be really the thing that that triggers us or helps us because it can be really hard to consciously push push through when we're really um, in a hard place. Mm. Mm. I, I think prayer is really important um, as a part of way of processing when you're going through crisis, because sometimes it's um, not everybody's into therapy and not everybody hmm. wants to journal, but actually just sort of pray it out. And actually you can pray it out pretty raw. It doesn't have to be all pretty. You can use whatever expletives you need to. You can just 
God can handle it. I mean, just just throw it at them. And um, I think that's fine. And Richard Raw, um, I remember reading one of his daily meditations when I was going through a hard time and he talked, it was talking, talking about prayer. Um, and he was saying how prayer brings the thinking down from your head into your heart. Mm. Um, and when we have that, we have dualistic commentaries lodged in our head. But in our hearts, you can surround the negative thought with silence. Um, it's there, it is surrounded with blood, which will feel warm like coals. In this place, it is almost impossible to comment, judge, create storylines, or remain antagonistic. You are in a place that does not create or feed on contraries, but is the natural organ of life, embodiment, and love. And for me, that was just like, okay, I may not feel like praying, but actually all this stuff that's going around in my head, let's actually just pray it out. So rather than just thinking it, actually just speaking it out and praying it and just allow that peace um, and allow it to be surrounded with the warmth and the blood. And I really loved that, um, how Richard Moore sort of phrased mm. that. And that was, has been really critical for me when I've been going through my crises. Yeah, it's a beautiful um, image. Uh, and you know, you mentioned the Psalms earlier, but I mean, what are the Psalms if not just, just that, like right, that, that people pouring oh, out yeah. the rawness of their experience. Um, and, um, you know, and I think it's something like two thirds of the Psalms are, are laments rather than, you know, the, rather than the chirpy cheery yeah. ones, you know, they're the ones where, where people are, uh, are pouring it out. And I, and I think probably our English translations kind of, um, fluff them up a little bit or make them sound a little more sort of pious, but there's some pretty raw language, uh, in there is. and, um, and I, and I think the idea that that's preserved within the tradition of the faith by being in scripture in that way is kind of a, as a, mm -hmm. is a wonderful invitation to just let that rawness actually be a part of the process of, of, of prayer and relationship with God and, and of, and actually finding some, some of that warmth that you're talking about in the, in the process. Yeah. Um, Okay, maybe as a last question then, as we kind of build on that, then as a as a as a church community, um, what does it look like? How can we be the kinds of people who are actually able to to foster and 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 be a safe and healthy space for one another, um, for for people when we experience you know some of these complex crises that that we all sort of bump into at various times in yeah. our lives? How can we be a community that? that really holds a healthy space for one another in that space and in, in that way. So I think we can be a conduit for connection with God and also conduit for connection with people and services and what people need. So we don't have to have the answers. We don't have to be experts, but we can mm. be available and be present. And I just think, um, being able to connect with people and validate what they're going through, acknowledge their suffering, acknowledge their pain. Let's not be too scared to talk about it. Mm. Um, and just sometimes even ask them what, you know, what do you need right now? How can I help you? When sometimes when people are in a, uh, in real crisis, sometimes they're not quite ready to move on. So they just actually need someone to sit with them. There's and, and just be with. Mm. It's not all about sort of trying to fix somebody, trying to heal somebody. Sometimes there's a, there's a space in crisis where you actually just got to get work in that space and be in that space. So sometimes just not leaving them alone in that space, mm. um, physically and metaphorically, um, it's some being with them. Yeah. I think it's really good to to look at people holistic 
that please the what are their physical needs so sometimes maybe if they're in crisis they need support to go to a gp maybe mm. they need someone to help them find a counselor maybe they need a financialist financial expert maybe and so sometimes maybe linking them with their actual supports that they need um social connection is really important so just actually inviting people and being with them you know taking people going for a walk um i think whatever you say you're going to do you need to do though um <laughs> christian you know churches can be really good at saying oh yes let us know and then they just let's, they don't follow through so i think let's, let's catch up critical. let's catch up sometime yeah 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 this, yeah this yeah what we say um <laughs> yeah I think when when you're in the middle of going through a hard time, sometimes you can't, you don't have the words. So I think we mm. need, you can't explain it. And I think sometimes we just trust your gut, trust your intuition. If you just, and actually just don't ask them what, you know, what can I do for you? Actually just go and do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, take them some food, you know, just, just give them a call, reach out to them um, and just, be, be there, check in, be there. Um, I think just foster hope and that sense of you don't want to be that sort of patronising, you'll be okay, they're there now. Um, mm -hmm. Allow people to be in the pain, allow it to be messy if that's what they need. Um, but at the same time, promoting that hope. Um, and we are Christians and we're a church community. So I think address helping people spiritually as well. Mm. So praying with somebody. And I think we shouldn't underestimate actually how um, helpful that can be. So just that, that prayer and, and that word in season is can be really critical. Mm. But I, my big thing is let's just not, not be scared to help people that we see in, in crisis and see people who are suffering in pain. Mm. Let's, just be willing to allow them to come in amongst us and be amongst us and um even just by by our presence and by being listening you know who knows what that will offer we don't have to have the answers but we just need to be be there and be available and be a conduit mm. oh so good um that <laughs> That's, a, that's a, I think, both a good invitation and a good challenge. Um, and, and, as a, and as a kind of an aspiration or a hope, I think, for what, for what church community yeah. and what our church community can be. Um, and, and I know it has been for people along the way, but continues to be, a, you know, um, a, an invitation for us as we, as we go forward. Um, so thank you, Tanya. What a wonderful conversation. So much um, wisdom and knowledge and insight mixed with experience. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to chat. Um, oh, I loved it. Thank mm. you for um, having me. It was really lovely. I really enjoyed this series. Um, and I think it's really nice to be talking about some really nitty gritty mm. topics. Um, in, in, in a real way. And it's also really great to get to know the people in an edge and, and their thoughts about things. Yeah. Awesome.